Welcome to the e-commerce lab by Ecomsi. This is the place for everything related to Amazon's private label and e-commerce. Learn exactly what you need to start or scale your business. Get insights from the top industry experts who will discuss the latest trends and best practices in the world of Amazon. From choosing products and sourcing from a supplier to setting up your Amazon account and marketing your business, you will hear it here. Let's get started. Here is your host, Vincenzo Toscano. Hello, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Commerce Lab by Ecomsi, the place of everything related to Amazon FBA, private level, and e-commerce. My name is Vincenzo Toscano, your founder here uh, for Ecomsi. And today we're going to be talking about a very interesting topic, which is basically everything that's going on in the exit space. And today we'll bring a very close friend of mine. Uh, we can see here on the screen, uh, John Heffer. And he's the basically founder and also the SBP uh, brand strategy used to be at Trasio, which is basically was the top uh, company and aggregator in the space when it comes to, you know, helping Amazon brands to exit. And now he's actually, uh, you know, moving to the Gonor group, which is also one of the leading aggregators and operators in the Amazon space. And today I want to bring John to talk about what is going on and basically what sellers can expect when it comes to exiting so john it's a pleasure to have you here on the show my friend how you doing i'm doing fantastic thanks for having me on it's a pleasure thank you for being here i think the first time we met was here in london over a year ago on an event i don't remember the name of the event but i remember you were there on the panel and it was back when you were with Trasio and always you know sharing top quality content as always and, and i'm looking for for the same today i'm pretty sure you're gonna share a lot of tips when it comes to exiting and and before we jump into that, you know, I usually on these shows I like to get a a lot a, regarding the background of of the people that come on the show because you know they all have amazing things to share, especially you that you did this amazing company Tracio. So maybe tell us a little bit about all the journey from you know how you found the Tracio and then from Tracio you went to go north and then we go into today's topic. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. No problem at all. Um, so the Tracio story was was sort of an interesting kind of uh, serendipitous start, I would say. Uh, Carlos uh, had a Facebook ad agency. He was one of the other co-founders of, of the company. Um, yeah. And uh, this was, you know, in the 2017 uh, timeframe, he started to notice that a lot of his customers uh, who had mainly had like, you know, uh, regular sort of Shopify e-commerce stores were having a ton of success on Amazon. Yeah. And uh, it just sort of like put a, a bug uh, in our ear. And I used to consult with Carlos and we were neighbors and we were thinking about actually launching some of our own brands originally. Okay. Um, and then Car Carlos had some conversations with, uh, with Josh, uh, who's one of our other co-founders who had a, a very serious fundraising and finance background. And he'd been kind of like wrestling with the idea of uh, doing some kind of roll up of some kind at some point. And okay. so uh, Carlos sold his ad agency. We started hanging out like uh, a, a few days uh, a week, maybe like three or four. He has this beautiful wine cellar in his basement. And we would just talk about life and about business. And yeah. eventually the conversation sort of got it to be more serious around the Amazon <laughs> space. Nice. And I think it was December of 2017 when I first opened up my laptop and just literally typed in in Google, <laughs> how do you buy an Amazon business? 
right? Yeah. Um, and so we started there. We brought Stephanie on like right away um, okay. to do to do outreach for us. And yeah. by April of that year, we were we were a real business, um, and we were we were off and running and buying. And we our original thesis was that like we could take some of these brands that were undervalued because they'd had some success, but then had faltered and then and revive them. Yeah. Um, and it was a really bad thesis. Uh, we, we then sort of switched it over to be like, oh, we should be buying leaders in the space or close to leaders and making them better. So we had a couple flops at first, um, but then we had um, a couple really big hits. And, you know, one of the hits that was most famous for Thrasio was probably Angry Orange, which was sort yes. of my, my baby. Um, yeah. And I, I really think that that brand was the spark plug that launched this entire M&A industry. Mm-hmm. You know, we were able to raise uh, literally billions of dollars off right, of that I story. Um, I remember all the headlines that, all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then from there, you know, everyone else was was too, right? So um, my time at Therasio, we acquired over, over 200 brands. Uh, and then we had whatever it was, I, I over 50, let's say, copycats at, at one point of people yeah. just trying to sort of do the same thing. Yeah. And there's a lot of loose and fast money coming in. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cash that had to be deployed fast. You know, there's only so much Amazon management experience out there. So that of was course. limited. Uh, and so people were buying like crazy. Multiples went up. There was a COVID bump, which kind of mm-hmm. artificially inflated a lot of brands. And that basically created, a, in, in essence, like a market collapse. That's right? right. It was just like a, a rocket ship up and then a, a bubble bursting. Um, and, and now we're sort of in, you know, the, let's call it the beginning of the second wave. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I'm, I think we're all hoping for more of a, a, a steady ride, uh, this time around. So, um, and that's what really interested me in, in go North was, um, my favorite time at Thrasia was really that period when it was the first four of us to let's say like 150 ish people. Yeah. It was so much fun. Like you could really be hands on. You could really yeah. make an impact on brands, make changes quickly. And once That's you right. get larger, it becomes really <laughs> hard to do things yeah. at speed, and it becomes more about organizational organizational structure and stuff like that. And and for me, I really like the hands on part. So Anderson, the, yeah. I, I walked in the Go North office for the first time. I could feel the culture in there. It's just like an exciting. Happy place where people want to, you know, do good things, and uh, I, I just wanted to go on the ride again. That's the best yeah. way I can describe it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Johan is doing an amazing job when it comes to Gunnars, but I totally understand you. I mean, you went from a team of four to ten people to now over one thousand people, and I can't, I can totally understand like the completed a a huge difference between the workflow and and the control you could have over all these brands, and I bet you were missing that, you know, that initial thing that you were lacking, the fact that you could control all these brands inside out, and then it was reaching a point that it wasn't the case anymore. Totally understand. But I think Correct. before we jump into the, the go-north side of things, uh, I'm, I'm proud of what you guys have done with Trasio. I mean, when you guys entered the space, I remember you guys were the big dogs. Everybody was uh, looking uh, about everything you guys were saying about the aggregator space. I remember all the other aggregators were coming behind you. And the fact that you guys uh, made it so far is definitely admirable. So congrats on that. Um, and now just jumping into 
you know, your journey with Gonard, I feel like I totally agree with that. Now the second wave of aggregators is, is very interesting, to be honest, because now I feel like people on, on this second wave that are actually surviving in, in, in the aggregator space, they really know what they're doing. And, and this is mainly due to all the costly mistakes they did during the first wave. They understood what are the things people were doing wrong. And now a lot of things are changing in the second wave. For example, one of the big things I'm being seeing that's changing a lot is that before, I remember, people were buying the business and then completely removing the founders. Now I see more uh, hand, uh, like holding hand, uh, holding hand, um, methodology where you bring the founder on board and you actually keep them with all the processes because at the end of the day they are the ones that create the brand and that's something that you know i, I would like to touch a little bit uh, for uh, doing today's episode however before we go into all the technicality i think something that i would like to ask you so we can kickstart the topic today is something that people ask me all the time, right? And, and it's basically people always ask me, what are the, the main factors right now that drive valuation? Because a lot of clients that work with us are people that see me at events and, and people that, that know me, they always say, you know, I'm preparing my brand for exit. And I really want to understand why I should be putting my time and my money, you know, in terms of my processes and, and building the whole thing for, for preparing for that big payday. So being uh, said that, maybe you can tell us a little bit of now that you're working with Gonard and, and overseeing all these deals and brands, maybe what are some of the things you would say that right now are key to get the best valuation when it comes to exiting your Amazon brand? Yeah. Sure. I mean, there's some standard things and then there's some not so standard things. So the things that will get the highest valuations are real intellectual property and a really, let's say, um, a moat built around your product that predicts its future success. Okay. Right. So if I if I had a a, a patented product or a formula or something like that that no one could penetrate that was selling really well that had like mm -hmm. a lot of subscribe and save that had real brand feel around it. Like that's, that's like the perfect storm of things, right? Because we're not buying on, on past results. We're really buying on what we think the future will be. That's right. So, you know, if, if, if we see a brand that's selling a, a, a standard product from China and then there's 15 more competitors have just entered the space and there's a price war to the bottom. Yeah. That, that product, you know, that that product's not going to get the same level of valuation as something that that has something special to it. Um, that being said, like what we really look for, and I think what most people in the space will look for is is simplicity, mm -hmm. right? So um, okay. there's there, there's when we look at a brand, we really look at the SKUs that we want to keep. Often there are ones that we just don't really want, right? Um, there's also some people will say, well, I should diversify marketplaces. So they'll throw their product in, into yes. you know, 19 different spots. And really, <laughs> it, it, might, it might increase the revenue by 7%. Yeah. But the, the overhead management for an aggregator uh, to, to deal with all that stuff just makes it not worth it, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, like uh, good product selection, good leadership position with a nice moat with real, real reviews that are of high quality, mm -hmm. um, and something that 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 we can make a reasonable prediction that this thing is going to be a success, that's what gets you a good valuation. That's what gets you people interested in buying. And if you can build a brand on top of that, or if there is some intellectual property, those those are the next layers up. 
Yes. Right. So, um, you know, like generally most people don't want a company that has, you know, let's say a company that's doing a $2 million in sales, but they have Mm -hmm. 150 SKUs. That's too much, too much complexity. (laughs) It's a mess, right? You know, we'd much rather have like a $10 million brand that has two SKUs. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and so, um, I, I think that is the, that's the magic is really leaning into what's working for you as an Amazon business and making the strongest stuff as strong as possible without adding too much complexity. Yeah. And I agree on a fact that you mentioned that that's so important, which is the fact that nowadays with all the content you see out there that people tell you, you need to diversify, which of course is very important. People do the mistake of what you say, opening the Shopify a website, they go to all these other marketplaces and the thing is because most of them don't have the experience doing this because they come from an Amazon background. I think actually in, in, if you do those things and you do it wrong and then on the PNL that actually looks more as an expense and a negative thing, right. And, uh, a, a potent, an opportunity to explore, I guess that also could affect the, the multiple because it, I, I guess sometimes it's better to sell it as a, as, as an unexplored opportunity, right. And doing it yourself and showing that it didn't work. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I think, I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good. And now um, regarding the valuation side of things as well, and so we can close this question, would, would you say that also being across multiple uh, marketplaces, what I mean by this within the Amazon ecosystem, so let's say a, a US brand is also across all the European ones and and Mexico, Canada, would also that add complexity when it comes and affect the multiple or will it be more uh, on at the skill level when it comes to that uh, the logistics yeah, I mean, behind it's, it. Yeah. You know, it, it adds a little bit of complexity. So it makes things mm-hmm. just slightly less attractive, but not not entirely. Okay. Right? That's the way I would look at it. It's just it's um, you know, if if you're selling in Germany, UK, US and mm-hmm. Italy and things like that, it's again, we have to think of on the back end of a company taking that in, you know, we yeah. have finance people, we have supply chain people and all. It just adds this extra weight that we we do calculate before we make an offer of course of course um now uh, another thing um i also want to touch regarding you know all the process of uh, preparing for for an exit is a lot of people sometimes also have the question when is the right time right and what I mean by this sometimes are within the one year of selling some people are within three years down the line um, some people think it's more about the profitability level of the business. And I know it's, there, isn't, there isn't a one answer the, for all these cases, but maybe there's a, you know, general guidelines regarding, you know, when you're reaching certain level of this revenue and certain levels of this profitability, that's when it would make sense to open the conversation. Otherwise, it would be a waste of time. And, uh, and being said this, do, do you have maybe some guidelines regarding based on what you're seeing right now that's attractive to investors? That you should keep in mind maybe a revenue level profitability level are there some insights you can share yeah yeah no I, I think i think for most people in our space you should be doing at least a million dollars in revenue i think at minimum before okay. you en- enter the market um and you know the profitability or so should be you know at the very lowest it's, this is too low for us like 12 percent and higher mm-hmm. if possible you know, 
but sometimes not too high because too high can mean there's just going to be a price race down, right? <laughs> it's so coming, it's, it's, it's a, coming the wave. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So, um, and and that, and I, I would say like some sort of, you know, let's say six months to a year and change of really steady performance, mm-hmm. right? So reliable results or or if it's seasonal, then two seasons that show maybe, you know, a history of what your what your products can do. Okay. Interesting. And, and, and when it comes to this, um, uh, also tying this to this question so we can finally at this point, will you also say there are certain categories right now that are more attractive than others uh, based on, again, this also got tied to the complexity and also the issues that you may have in terms of compliance and all that. So is is there something that you will say, and, and this maybe also applies to, you know, some Amazon sellers that they exited and they want to enter again the, the game again. And they may think, okay, maybe I do this category because these ones are the ones getting the, the biggest multiples. Is is there something, Mary, you can share some light there in terms of which categories are more attractive nowadays? Yeah. I, I don't think, I think it's, it's still pretty category agnostic. Maybe there's some others in the space who are more focused in, their, in a cert, certain okay. niche. Um, okay. But it, it goes all back to the values that we previously talked about. It's really, it's not the category, it's... Do you have a brand? Do you have IP? Do you have, <laughs> yeah. do you have a mode? Do you have reliable sales that looking forward? You know, cause we'll, we'll know too. And that's what a lot of people will put their brands up, up to market when they feel the pressure of like a price war coming on, you yeah. know, like obviously as professional due diligence, people will know that too. Yeah. Right. So um, if that is the case, you just have, people just have to be realistic with their, their expectations of what they're, what they're looking at, but I, I'd still say it's pretty category agnostic. Awesome. Now I, I want to start uh, focusing a little bit more on, on Gone North Group. Uh, I've been following them for a while now. I love what Johan and all their team are doing now that you're part of their team. And I think something that you know I want to learn more from you now that you're inside the processes and everything they're doing is, is learning more about what makes you guys different from the rest, right? You're definitely doing uh, things uh, different than the rest. That's why you've been on the game for so long now. And in, in and you definitely have a good presence and people talk very nice things about what you guys are doing. So I just want to learn from you that you're inside now. What are the things that maybe you're seeing that you guys are doing, if you, if you can share that you definitely think makes you different than than the competition the, and they're the ones that are trying to catch up yeah yeah you know i i think some of it is uh it's just after the first collapse right mm-hmm. you know there was a lot of really smart amazon people all of a sudden available right uh okay. who had real chops in brand management and building brands and, and creative for amazon and you know even supply chain and understanding how Amazon's different from other companies and IPI scores and things like that. So Go North was in a position where they were raising money when everyone else was sort of like running for the hills. <laughs> and then, then yes, and then there was, there was just uh, access to really kind of smart people everywhere. So that's what I found there. What's really different is, is that there's a lot of Amazon experience in in the room, um, a lot of really smart people across all the domains where you need to be good at Amazon. And, um, and now like adding someone, you know, like myself, and we've added Ken from our team yes. too, to really improve our, our pipeline and, and build that up is, uh, is we'll just know 
when to grow and when to stay still. Yes. And that'll be the that'll be the big change of things. It's actually just it's pacing this business where before it was just exploding rocket ships. Right. Yeah, just deploying the money it, as fast as possible and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I, I think we're going to do things in a much more controlled and subdued environment. And uh, with smart people in the room, I think that'll be the, the key to success. And uh, yeah. reputationally, I, I want to do what we did originally at Thrasio, which That's was, right. um, you know, be good to sellers mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and get a reputation that we are good to do business with um, yeah. and get the name out there. I mean, Go North is relatively new to the game obviously you know i was with one of the giants before yeah. um not too many people know that we're out there and not many people know that there are still active buyers out there in the market so they mm -hmm. might be holding on to you know their brands and they want to sell but uh they just thought there was after the collapse there was no no market but there yeah. there is and there you know there will be going forward yeah, for sure. I can definitely tell you that you guys are doing a very good job when it comes to reputation, because as I told you, everybody says nice things about what you guys are doing. And that's why I wanted to ask you this question, just to learn what you guys are doing to achieve this steady growth and, and be able to differentiate from the other ones, which are definitely, and we agree, struggling, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, when it comes to uh, what you guys are doing at Gunnard, a group, right? And when it comes to your integration with Amazon sellers, it would be interesting to know if you guys are doing maybe something different when it comes to um, the after-sell approach. And what I mean by this is, as you as you know from the first wave, the very common approach uh, was uh, just fully buying the brand altogether and then taking full ownership on, on operations. Then we start to see a little bit more hybrid approach where maybe they come more as a partner and they keep the founder on board, which is what I mentioned initially, which is why I'm bringing this now to the table. And now I wanted to, to hear your taking in terms of what is now the typical setup you're looking to achieve with the founders that are looking to exit with you are you looking more to take full ownership of this brand and bring them under your umbrella you're looking more to bring all these founders as part of the team and, and use their knowledge and their mistakes as you guys have done with all these people coming from our aggregators to have a, a more educated uh, you know approach to things so yeah what is it usually now the setup you, you feel a uh, gunner is more aiming towards when looking for an exit yeah I mean, we're, we're capable of managing our own stuff, but, you know, for me, integrating the seller mm -hmm. with the next chapter of the brand is, is very important. Okay. So an ideal scenario, we, you know, we kind of want them along with our journey for at least a year at, at, at varying levels. Right. So, okay. um, I just think it's important because there's so much, you know, no one knows their space, like people who've created leader, leadership positions in their space, mm -hmm. right? So um, th that knowledge isn't easily transferred. It takes time. And, that's right. you know, I, that's maybe one of the mistakes we did at Thrasio, which was just, we try to do at a, a as a selling point, like, just give it to us. We'll make your life easy, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that was a good selling point. It worked. But I, I think a more mature way to look at it is, no, we, we want to integrate with the sellers to make sure that the brand continues to have its, you know, its, its path upward and doesn't, doesn't stall because we've, you know, there's been some knowledge transfers that didn't happen. I see. Yeah, of course. I think uh, the, the nice thing of having the sellers on board as well is that they're able to transfer their vision in terms of 
what the brand should be in the long term with more capital, with a bigger team, which sometimes if you guys just purchase a brand and detach that brain from it, it's like, yeah, you're running without the head. You don't, you don't really know what was the vision in the first place. And then it's very difficult to 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 basically keep growing that maybe community or that brand feeling that the founder put in the first place, which is what makes a brand successful in the first place. Um, now, um, I want to start also touching um, a little bit about what is the future when it comes to the space, right? So what I mean by this is like... Um, we have now the second wave. We're we're seeing the space becoming more and more uh, professional in terms of having all these people coming from the first wave and now having all this experience. But I would say, do do you see this having that uh, even a third wave? Maybe we could call it uh, coming to the space. What what are some of your predictions happening? Because I see some of the things I'm hearing. And maybe you can give me some insights because you have more experience on, on this now. Is that a uh, we see a lot of sellers sometimes now being more on the defensive because you know they they were coming from this bubble, they were having some multiples in mind, and now some of them are now having these multiples, so they're staying off the market. So potentially, if this now all these sellers come again to market, we could see an increase in multiples. So, what is your take on that? Do you see maybe a, a third wave coming of more money coming into the business and having all these crazy multiples again, or it's not really realistic at this stage now? I mean, I don't think anyone should be raising debt right now, mm -hmm. right? Uh, it's really it's really hard to access. And I think there will be some private equity money coming to space, mm -hmm. slow and steady. Like, I don't think we're going to see another explosion anytime soon yeah. in, in the, let's say, the aggregator space. I think that some of the bigger guys who have settled down a little bit or settling down are going to start buying. Again, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we'll be buying. But I see like a pretty boring market for at least the, the next couple of years, right? Um, multiples will be, you know, a lot of upfront payments around two, you know, and maybe as high as three and a half. Mm -hmm. I think that's really realistic unless someone has just a really thick ass brand. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's like, uh, you and know, like if someone, <laughs> yeah, if yeah. someone brought an angry orange, like maybe you can get, you know, something more for that uh, or, or yeah. a private equity firm would pay for that. But I think the realistic expectations is that you're going to get a deal. It's not going to be all upfront cash. There'll be plenty of opportunity to have an earnout that will get you way more than than a two or a three upfront. You know, mm -hmm. um, but uh, again, you're going to have to go on that journey with with the sellers. And I, I wouldn't like if if you're tired and you're thinking about selling, or you just it's time you have a new or you're 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 onto your next silver ball and you're you mm -hmm. have this nice brand that's there like. I don't think holding on to it right now to mm. wait for the next big wave. I mean, you could be waiting a, a really, really long mm. time. And the brand could right? go under. Um, More competition the, coming. Yeah, the brand could go under, and you know, like this, this next wave could prove to be unsuccessful, and then there's no market, mm. right? Like, who knows? <laughs> like the the world's a very crazy place. It's hard to predict things. So, yeah. um, I don't. You know, I I've told people on on podcasts in the past at Therazio, I always try to, to, to tell the world as I see it. So people trust me and therefore trust the companies I work with and things of that nature. Like, you know, I would tell people who was like, Oh, hold out. Like this big wave of money is coming, but all the information I'm getting and, and the few events that I've been to, it's not right. There's some, there's some private equity money that has to be deployed and, and people are looking for stuff and, 
So there will be some, right? But I I, I don't not think to we're going to be seeing. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to go from a place where there, you know, where there's there's, you know, one to three people bidding on a brand back to where there was seventeen people bidding on a brand in a price war. Those days are over, I think, for <laughs> a, a really, really long time. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. That's awesome. And I think now to conclude, you know, just to pick a little bit uh, more on your brain uh, regarding uh, this space, uh, I would like to ask you if, you know, if let's say you're a seller, right? And and, and you getting started now, or you are in the process of exiting, what are some of the mistakes now that you're seeing hundreds of brands and hundreds of deals and deals that you will avoid uh, to make sure you have the, the, the smoothest exit? It, uh, towards uh, the market right now. What are some of the things you would advise so we can conclude? Yeah, I mean, again, just try to have a clean house. Mm-hmm. Have your accounting done professionally and make sure it's, you know, like a cruel-based count, accounting and, and, you know, have uh, clean up old inventory that you that you need to sell through and get rid of. Don't leave a mess. Yeah. deliver something that's clean that's presentable and and go into the deal making process like understanding that the buyer is buying for the future and they're going to have a vision of that yeah. so don't don't hide things yeah right if it, because they'll be found yeah they will. and then you'll be halfway through they'll be halfway through the deal process and then things will get messy um and if you're not you know if you're not prepared or if if you are not comfortable negotiating yourself, you know uh, a broker can be a, a a good choice for some people, mm-hmm. right? Because That's they'll right. they'll be on your side, telling you what reality is. Yeah, uh, and and that's what you know. Like you're trying to sell on upside. And the buyers are, are trying to buy. Really, all we're doing is assessing risk. That's right. Yeah. Right? With some opportunity, too, as, as well. But the risk part is the is the one up front. It's like we need to make sure what we're buying is going to at least be stable. Right? Yeah. And then the growth pieces, which we'll do, those take months and months and months to implement. Mm-hmm. Right? So um, that's how, it, how would, I would do that. And, uh, you know, most deals are done off of off of profit. So just be aware of that. Well, we can carve some things out for new launches and things like yeah. that. Try to try to have a, a healthy and profitable brand to bring to the table. That's what are we gonna do with a three million dollar brand that, you know, has uh has eighty thousand dollars in profit? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Right. Of course. Very good. Thank you, John. I mean, I appreciate your knowledge. I'm always, you know, uh, thankful for everything that you share or at events and podcasts. So thank you for being here on the show. And and now uh, before we conclude, uh, I just want to ask you if you can share maybe how people can reach out to you. You know, sellers are looking to exit or maybe they have more questions about what you shared today. And also, you know, maybe they want to get in reach with Gonor Group to start the exit journey, you know? Sure, that's great. Yeah, so um, you can always find me on LinkedIn. Um, you can also find Ken Kubek, who's uh, mm-hmm. um, our senior M and A advisor as well. Nice. If you're looking to, to exit, uh, I'm John Hefter at gonorth.co. Uh, mm-hmm. If um, you want to reach me via email, uh, and those are probably the best ways to uh, 
to get in touch with us, or you can just go to the Go North website and uh, go through the funnel there, whatever's whatever's easiest. Awesome. That's great. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to put all the links down in the description. And that should be John. So yeah, looking forward to have you maybe again, you know, next year to see if that third wave came or not. <laughs> and discuss <laughs> it forward. But in the meantime, thank you for your time and wish you all the best at uh, this new position with Gunnar. Yeah? Thanks so much. Pleasure. Bye-bye. Pleasure. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The E-Commerce Lab by EcomC. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you are at it, we would appreciate it if you could leave an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. That will make it easier for others to find out about the show and benefit from it. Want more? Visit our website at www.ecomc.com where you can get your first consultation for free. Or find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at ecomc. 